The times where it's felt really successful are the times where it's felt like I didn't have anything to do with it, really, right? Like I created this environment of safety. I helped connect people, but it wasn't like I made this happen. Community makes it happen. Yeah. And, and the magic of young people telling their stories, the magic of watching folks who are the age I was when I totally went off the rails, watching them stay on the rails and bravely go through their journey in collaboration with us and a bunch of other people feels like the kind of change I needed back then. From the studios of Kink Radio, it's the Portland 50, a podcast series about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland. The Portland 50 series is brought to you by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company. The legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. I'm your host, Peggy LaPointe. Today I talk with Logan Lynn, Chief Impact Officer for Trillium Group and co-founder of the Keep Oregon Well campaign. When I first was trying to build this advocacy platform with Trillium, I I had it in my mind that I wanted to create a coming out movement, you know, centered around hope and joy. And and that authenticity was really going to be the way forward for that. But I actually had no business saying to everybody, come out, tell me about your lived experience. Let's publicize your mental health uh, and your own resilience uh, without actually being willing to do that myself. And I had kind of been doing that for years, right? Like I had a show on MTV a decade ago where I was talking about my own recovery and it just wasn't. Um, super organized, like where I was like, I'm a mental health advocate. This is what I'm doing. It just was happening. Right. And so with Keep Oregon Well and launching Mental Health Matters and, and um, you know, working with Trillium Group to really reach community where they're at, that has um, taken a new form. It's grown from an, an organic place. It has. Very much so. Yeah. And so you are the chief impact officer at Trillium Group That's and true. the founder of Keep Oregon Well. Yes. I would say co-founder in that, like, I partnered right. with Trillium and Kim Scott. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly couldn't have done it by myself, but I, I was the brainchild behind the whole thing. And I we were talking beforehand, and I mentioned to you, I have seen you around our studios. We, I think, have probably even said hi, yeah. but we've never <laughs> introduced. You have been such a part of, our, it's our green room. But it's our wellness zone yeah, as well downstairs. Downstairs at the uh, Bloodworks Studio. At the Bloodworks Live Studio. Live studio. Yeah. Um, I, I've been uh, affiliated with Kink and Alpha for ages and ages, right? Uh, and so it's been really great to link arms and, and partner around stuff beyond music and beyond art to, to really reach your audiences in new ways. We are about music, but life is about more than music, and we are people behind the microphones. Totally. We have lives, we have meaning, we have struggles, we have ups and downs, and I think the nice thing about radio is you make an intimate connection with your audience. For sure. And to be able to talk about more than music, because like I said, we're people too, Yeah. the partnership is it's been really great. It has well, been. and I think just thinking about music specifically, right? Like as a musician myself, I was you always are a musician I am yourself. and I, I was always able to sing about my issues, right? So I was singing about my own lived experience of mental and behavioral health challenges and, and recovery. But like I was silenced around talking about it. And I think that that's largely what's happened. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of suicides with musicians that mm-hmm. are of a certain age over the past few years and, and certainly always young people. But 
Um, I think there's something there, too, like beyond us engaging the audiences of Alpha Media and Kink through radio. We're also engaging artists by way of this platform that has been really spectacular to see. Well, and I just saw Court Johnson's interview that he did down there with Good Old War. Yeah. And that was a nice one because they've talked about uh, one of the guys, and I don't I don't recall each of the uh, individuals' uh, names, but sure. uh, one of the folks talked about his substance abuse issues and overcoming that and how they work as a band to stay healthy, both physically right. and mentally, on the road. And I think that's been kind of a neat aspect to our live studio. Yeah, and I think it's revolutionary. Yes. I, I think as an, from an artist perspective or a label perspective, I don't think the questions that we ask them in those interviews are questions they usually get asked. Right. And I think that's great. I think there's a desire from artists as well as their audiences to be part of something bigger. Yeah, exactly. And they can be more authentic, both behind the scenes and then when they come up on stage they've already made a connection songs are about something right and all of us who have a following or just who are alive in the world have brains that are part of our body so it's like this idea that it's us and then it's them with with mental illness those people like that's just completely not real. No. <laughs> so no. it's been great to, to be part of that change. And you're right. Every song has meaning when it's coming from the person who's writing it. And yeah. it's nice to be able to talk about it on a different level, not just singing it, but talking about For sure. the idea behind it. It can be isolating to be famous, right, or to have people celebrate one particular aspect of you in this really acute way and and sort of leave the rest of you behind. Mm. I I sense that we're cultivating an experience with artists and and with kink um, that shows the whole person, kind of highlights the whole um, shebang. Absolutely. It's not just the uh, what you're doing here with Alpha and how you've partnered with us, but I like what Keep Oregon Well is doing in the community. I mean, with schools, I have an 11-year-old and a 15-year-old. And as I remember, and I'm sure you remember in middle school and high school, those are not easy times. No. And even if you're homeschooled, it's not an easy no. time, right? Just internally, like you're changing and, and the world becomes a different thing. Right. Um, yeah, we're, we're trying. My whole mission, and, and I know Kim Scott, our CEO's mission, and, and truly the mission of Keep Oregon Well, even after I leave someday, if I ever <laughs> were to depart, um, is to meet community where they're at, meet people where they're already at. Like this idea that. In order to engage community, they have to come to you and like, we're going to build a facility or some event or something that brings them to us is like, why are you wasting your time? People are already places. Go where the people are. If you want to know how to reach teens and tweens, ask teens and tweens. (laughs) It's not really rocket science, but it has, you know, I've won awards for it over the last few years because it's so revolutionary that one would just ask kids what they want. (laughs) Well, and they're struggling with so much. And there is, as you work towards every day to break down, there are stigmas behind uh, mental health issues. And and when you're having uh, a crisis, whether it's, you know, large or small, you feel isolated. And to know that there are other people who went through the same thing, are going through the same thing. Right. You know, you see physical ailments, you don't see the mental ailments. Right. And we don't talk about these things enough. And often when they present visibly, it's really scary, yeah. right? Like my own mental health condition before I, it was sort of under control. About, I'm 10 years in recovery this month, actually. But I, um, it, was, it was scary. I was scary. Mm-hmm. And, I, and so I think there's this idea that like either 
you're not suffering. It's not really a big deal because some mental illness and um, behavioral health challenge is internal and invisible. Or it's like, you're bad, these bad kids, these bad people, because it presents in such a challenging way. And I think what we're trying to do far and wide is like make it cooler to stand up and speak your truth, right? Somebody said to me a long time ago, and I've said this on the air many times here, Logan, it doesn't have to be pretty to be true, but if it's true, it's beautiful. And I think that's what we have built this whole thing around, Mm. the idea that everybody has a truth that matters, that mental health, for lack of a better term, trumps all politics, all personal sort of, um, you know, identities that we all have brains and, and we all have good mental health days. We all have bad mental health days and that the things that we experience affect our mental health. Right. So whether it's a social determinant like poverty or or racism or something like that, that's really causing trauma that I'm reacting to. Or if it's just like I was abused as a kid or I, I struggle currently with X, Y and Z like you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who isn't um, at least experiencing trauma as an adult, much less as a child, right? Like we, we are centering all of this around the adverse childhood experiences study, the ACEs. And I think you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who didn't have a high ACE score growing up in the current environment that we're all living in. So trying to get people to understand that everybody has a stake in this. And I, I hope it's not just Portland, but there seems to be a larger awareness that we all, number one, we all struggle at some point. Yeah. And number two, some folks struggle in different ways. And again, it's not because they're bad. It's not because they're, you know, whatever. It's because they're struggling. And right. that struggle, for lack of a better term, is real. Yeah. Uh, and we're trying to change that question, right? Like from like, what's wrong with you? Right. To what has happened to you, right. and and that sort of infuses empathy and compassion, just even in the the language change. And the numbers aren't pretty. I mean, one in five uh, in the United States yeah. experiences a mental health crisis, and Oregon, one in four right? in Oregon. Yeah. And the suicide rate is high here. And I know you haven't lived here all of your life, but you are with Trillium Family Services, yeah. the Trillium Group, and with Keep Oregon Well uh, for a number of years. Have we figured out anything behind those numbers and why we struggle more here? Well, I think it comes down to funding, right? Uh, We just don't pay for prevention. We have great life-saving programs at Trillium that we're still relying on private donations to make happen. I mean, programs like Chrysalis that is like our trauma group for girls in, in high school. It's been around for 25 years. We have data that shows that these girls graduate at like an 80% rate in school districts where they're graduating less than 20%, yet it's not funded. And I just think people, the, the whole system, the medical system, certainly the mental health system, is built on really investing in this gold-plated safety net to catch people once they've fallen. And, and imagine what would happen if we moved healthcare upstream and had a gold-plated sort of <laughs> tightrope. You know, I don't think we all want to be on a tightrope. A platform right. that nobody falls from. Right. To, to me, that's that's the ultimate goal. And that's what Trillium and, and Keep Working Well, and certainly me personally and all my friends and all the celebrities who've joined <laughs> this movement, we're trying to do. The yeah. idea that you could catch somebody before they fall is the goal. Yeah. And there, I mean, you are... Hopefully, when you're reaching these authors and these musicians and these celebrities and and they're sharing the word, sometimes it's easier to see 
somebody famous at you know share their story yeah and it helps you go okay you know that's part it of my certainly story gives too. permission right? right i mean on some level like hearing um cj mccollum stand up and say it's okay to have these feelings okay yeah. to be depressed like if you're a huge blazers fan that matters like, absolutely <laughs> all and i've i've watched that happen over and over from the organizational perspective like i'm partnering with those folks because they're trusted voices and you just get right into folks who might not otherwise ever uh, be in your presence mm-hmm. to hear this sort of messaging. But ultimately, I'm inspired when I hear that I'm not alone, right? I'm a person with lived experience. I've struggled with persistent suicidal ideation my whole life. Yeah. Uh, I'm a survivor. And, and to not feel so alone was the key to my healing many years ago. So I think what I'm doing is is taking those lessons, partnering with clinical staff at Trillium Group, and and trying to recreate that on a massive scale. As you're going out in the community, uh, you know it's been a couple of 2014 was that mm-hmm. okay? So it's that been was a, the launch. That was the launch. It's been a couple of years. What in the? I mean, it's it's a short amount of time. It is. But we've done a lot. You've done a lot, <laughs> yeah. and so what have you seen? Change is that the right word? In those four years, what progress have you seen in those four years? Whether it be the conversations are happening now or or you hear more stories about folks. Yeah, well, I mean, back on that piece around nobody wants to fund prevention, a large part of that is because you have to show that it works over time, Mm -hmm. right? And so a lot of the work we do anecdotally, I've seen it work in that – you know, I've rounded the corner at a Charlie XCX uh, show and there's like 80 14-year-old girls lined up to take their photo at the Mental Health Matters right. booth. Like things like that where I'm like, oh, right, in the moment, this is exactly what we're trying to do. Yeah. Down to getting funding for mental health promotion in schools and, and things that just hadn't happened previously necessarily until we started um, engaging the broader community. I think I've also watched the way in which um, community violence or community trauma, certainly mental health struggles are reported Mm -hmm. in the media just by way of our relationships, the Keep Oregon Well Partner Network, all of those reporters and media personalities, uh, I can point to the change very easily. Mental Health in America um, had ranked Oregon dead last, so it was like 51st after you count the District of Columbia, um, around prevalence and, and mental health Um, conditions. Basically, we were the worst. Uh, And we have this year moved up to number 49. Which is progress. Honestly, like when I say that, sometimes people (laughs) laugh. But like we we did that. Right. That's us. And and so feeling uh, being able to feel proud of the incremental change um, and being able to then build on that feels right. Like if we did that in four years, three, four years, yeah, it's going to take a while <laughs> if that's the rate, but better that than just sitting and waiting for some magic thing to happen. Right. And not only that, though, because you're connecting with, let's say, 10 people over those four years, those 10 people are connecting with more. So, totally. so you know, yes, t- we've moved up two in four years, but, you know, that's progress. It's and no small thing. No, and it snowballs. Right. Have you heard from people from around the country who 
are curious and interested in the Keep Oregon Well program Absolutely. that want to do. Yeah. yeah, so we got identified by the Kresge Foundation, Doris Duke Foundation, the Centers for Disease Control as a promising innovation a few years back and b- got brought into this national sort of movement outside of the George Washington uh, University in, in Washington, D.C. So um, part of that, I'm a leader in that. Uh, and we are looking to replicate it. We, you know, I got when I got the trademark for Keep Oregon Well, I also got the trademark for Mental Health Matters. And the idea is that we would expand this advocacy platform, this community engagement, sort of radical inclusion thing we're doing into communities across the nation. We start that work. We started last year planning it, and we're in funding mode as of this April. That's got to be pretty exciting. So exciting. Yeah. yeah. Now, I see what you do in the Portland metro area. How are you reaching folks in other parts of the state, which, you know, I'm going to guess, and I could be wrong, the stigma is harder to break down? Yeah. Well, and when you don't have as many resources or services available, um, you know, it's it's precious, the ones that you do have. So Trillium, actually Trillium Family Services, um, which is a part of Trillium Group, is in over 109 schools doing mental health therapy as well as um, promotion throughout the state. So Mm -hmm. we are embedded in a lot of school districts. We have clinical settings in Portland, Salem, and uh, Corvallis, Albany. So um, our media engagement is really statewide, right? Like that's where the media reach of you all and and KGW and Tegna and all of our partners really becomes important. Um, because we can't always be there, right? Right. Like it's me and a few other people. We're in the process now of um, building our volunteer street team, which currently has about 900 people, um, to be more rural focused, right? I'm partnering with folks at OSU Cascades to be in Bend. And um, it's... My th- my thing that I never want to see happen is grow something so big and so fast that it explodes and, and then goes away, right? Like right. I want to grow something that's sustainable and, and has uh, buy-in from community because we're only as relevant as the community tells us we are. Mm-hmm. The community has to accept you. Yeah, well, it has to be the community's thing. Right. I can't come in and be prescriptive or it, I might as well just, um, you know, pack my bags. Right. You're listening to King's Portland 50 series. I'll continue my conversation with Logan Lynn in a moment, but I wanted to thank our sponsor. The Portland 50 series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. Now back to my conversation with Logan Lynn, Chief Impact Officer for Trillium Group and co-founder of the Keep Oregon Well campaign. There's got to be some stuff you're doing in the legislature as well. Not only you, but Trillium family yeah. to help with funding and what else? What other kinds of work are you guys doing? Absolutely. There? So we've built, you know, we Trillium Family Services has been around in some form or another since 1867. Yeah. It's, a, it's a long-term organization uh, merged in the 90s, three beloved organizations that had been helping children and families for years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Part of what we've been doing with uh, creating this advocacy platform is, yes, raising awareness and educating the community, but also mobilizing the community towards um, building new buildings for children who are suffering in Oregon for, for, um, you know, to transform our healing environments into state-of-the-art healing environments. So there's been some legislative action around that. There's also, you know, I mentioned that Building Community Resilience Collaborative. Mm -hmm. A big piece of that work is linking arms and 
making national asks of our sort of leadership, right? So we have a big lobby day coming up in D.C. in April, uh, and it's coordinated. Uh, At home, we're doing the same thing. We have the Oregon Sanctuary Community Coalition that's all working towards the same goal, which is um, make Oregon a safer, supportive place for all people to live, work, play, learn, what have you. I had written down in my notes, what does Oregon do well and what does Oregon need to work on? Obviously, we were at 50, we're now at 40, or 51, we're now yeah. at 49. Ugh, I hate to yeah. say it, we probably weren't doing a whole lot well. No, and there, I've I've gotten some pushback around, don't you want to make Oregon well before you keep it well? <laughs> it's like, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, we do. Yeah. That didn't have quite the same ring. Right, right. Um, <laughs> no, and we're, we're doing both at once. <laughs> There's always going to be room for improvement. Yeah. I think Oregon's idealism and the PR associated with that is really working, right? Yeah. Like people are shocked when they come visit here and they see the homeless um, problem that we have. Uh, and by a homeless problem, I don't mean the homeless people. I mean the fact that we don't care about the homeless people. Right. That's the problem. Right. We um, haven't done anything to help them. We haven't. But not done enough. Ultimately, we haven't made a plan for growing the city that is safe for all the people who've lived here, have right. helped build the city. So, There was something else that I saw, and it kind of goes with the uh, Oregon legislature piece yeah. that I talked to you about. I saw something on the website about Oregon Recovers, yeah, which sounds like a fantastic group. So this is a statewide coalition of people who are in recovery, their yeah. friends and family, mm-hmm. to and their mission is to help transform Oregon's healthcare with prevention and treatment and recovery. And tell me a little bit about Oregon Recovers because I had not heard about that. Yeah, program. it's a new sort of a new organization that Keep Oregon Well is partnered with. Yeah. Mike Marshall, Brent Canode from the Alano Club. Mm-hmm. They're um, sort of rebel rousers around uh, people in recovery. I, you know, for years, I, I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm celebrating my 10 years um, in recovery from crack and alcohol and cocaine and uh, a laundry list of other things. But um, ultimately, that whole that whole movement was always really personalized, right? Like the, the um the recovery system was sort of stigmatized. Like, don't speak about this. Don't represent this. Don't X, Y, and Z. Because they, you know, you should be, and I'm using quotation marks because I don't really mean this, and but you should be embarrassed or or hide yeah. that struggle. But the struggle, you know, everyone has struggles that aren't pretty. Totally. And when you can make it through that struggle, that's a badge of honor. And there's something beautiful in that Absolutely. process, right? And, and so, you know, uh, I think the 12 steps work for some people. It doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. The idea that I would remain anonymous in my recovery is totally a deal breaker for me. Yeah. So I think one really great thing about Oregon Recovers that's cool is they're kind of rejecting that, right? Like no more anonymity. We're going to stand up and be counted. We're going to say we matter. Part of why legislative um, action never happens is because lawmakers don't know you exist. That's what I'm just thinking to myself. How how can you make any change if everyone is anonymous and there's no faces to it and nobody can relate? If you have to remain anonymous, that's not easy to make a difference. And you when, cannot you make can, a change. No. You can make internal change. You can, you can make build it, community with your, gr- with your other anonymous people. Right. But the idea that you could change hearts and minds on a a wide scale with people who are not in recovery themselves. Um, I think people are coming around to understanding that that's just not going to happen. No, it makes you feel more alone and more isolated. It does. And it it places some sort of character judgment on something that really is a medical condition. Absolutely. 
Um, I have to imagine now that you're four years in and you are the face, you are Keep Oregon Well, you walking around the streets, you're at events, do you often have people come up to you and and talk to you about their struggles and I do you know I always have though right yeah. so like well, I, I've true. been a public kind of public-ish person in a very small town for a while right. right I moved here in 96 and had already been signed at that point so um, people always kind of felt because my music was so personal and and so much centered around um, addiction and then addiction recovery mm-hmm. uh, felt like a sort of a magnet for personal coming out I, I always have felt that way yeah. and so really now more than ever Mm -hmm. i feel um like it's more organized i want to be that i am a beacon in the community for people to identify as a safe dude to ask questions and um and now i like know what i'm talking about versus just being like a guy that's like (laughs) in recovery right like i actually have clinical support and folks that um help me give resources to people in the moment. Mm-hmm. And, and Trillium was smart to parlay my network and and me as a brand into um, this as, alongside uh, many other people. Just this, you know, I'm one of many faces. Now on a personal level, the last four years, uh, being the face of Keep Oregon while being part of this network, has that made your 10 years of recovery easier or harder? Um, it's changed it a little bit, I yeah. think, in that I, uh, I think I said to you off air, part of, part of what I, what keeps me tethered to the world is a feeling that I'm useful, right? Yeah. Like to be of use is the Holy grail for me. Uh, and I feel super useful in this process. So in that sense, I think it has strengthened my resolve. It's shown me that w- my hunch about my own recovery actually applies on, on a broader public health scale which has been great i'm useful not just to myself and maybe my mom but like a whole bunch of <laughs> Don't others disregard that <laughs> no it's important that got us here um but yeah the, it's changed it i i always part of why i came out so publicly on mtv after i got out of rehab so many years ago was accountability mm-hmm. i wanted public accountability i wanted to be so well known for not being a drug addict that no one would serve me, right? Like yeah. I, I want in, a shield in my mind the embarrassment of falling off that pedestal, yeah. even though it's not really a pedestal and like nobody listening should at all feel this. But for me, it was a way of being like, I'm going to speak this out loud. I'm going to speak my intention out loud for my life and then I'm going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope we're providing that pathway for other people too, right? Like you don't actually have to go on MTV and like spill your beans. You can just tell your story and we'll help you tell your story. Have you noticed, because you do have a street team. You have a network because I follow you guys on social media. Nice. And you've got these team. Are you finding that you are uh, attracting similar folks who are looking for support? It's not an Al-Anon group, but it's a group of you know, like-minded people who have been through some of the same types of journey and they're finding support yeah. there as well. Yeah, I think so. I know so, actually. You know, it's it's a, it's a, a way for people with lived experience of m- persistent mental health conditions to tell their story, help educate other people, mm-hmm. find community themselves with, with like-minded or, or, you know, fellow lived experiencers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also a place for loved ones of folks who have been lost to mental illness or folks who are currently struggling to build community with us, to give back in a way that feels practical and um, 
rewarding. Uh, yeah, super rewarding. Yeah. And and ultimately also we're an equity and inclusion platform, right? And so even if you are a person who doesn't know someone that has um, lost their battle or is currently struggling, we have a pathway for you to want to end the discrimination against those people too. Mm -hmm. So really infusing social justice into education awareness and, and community engagement has been the kicker. How have you found it? What, what routes have you found? And, you know, there's probably multiple that have been the most successful at reaching folks. Where have you found those avenues? Yeah, I think it depends on what folks are trying to reach, exactly. right? So as I'm, like, saying, I'm <laughs> as a, asking the question, I'm thinking schools, yeah, I'm thinking layered. music, I'm thinking... Totally. You know. I think, you know, when we when we found people to partner with that were so specifically having conversations about mental illness, like we launched when Sheila Hamilton's book, All the Things yeah. we, we Never Knew was about to come out. We did her book tour to launch the campaign. Then I put out that record, Adieu, and... 2016, which was all about my own recovery and suicidal ideation and and survival, and we we used, did the same thing, right? Like I did a press tour and and reached people who were there already tuned into me, um, but with a broader message and a call to action. I think the times where it's felt really successful are the times where it's felt like I didn't have anything to do with it, really, right? Like I created this environment of safety. I helped connect people, but it wasn't like I made this happen. Community makes it happen. Yeah. And and the magic of young people telling their stories, the magic of watching folks who are the age I was when I totally went off the rails, watching them stay on the rails and bravely go through their journey in collaboration with us and a bunch of other people feels like the kind of change I needed back then, right? Like I'm in some ways uh, interrupting my own uh, pattern in life uh, and, and helping other people do that way earlier. It seems like public schools, at least in Portland, are having these conversations because my own kids come home, you know, telling me about some of the things that they've talked about. They're having these conversations mm -hmm. that, you know, I wish we would have had when I was going to school yes. <laughs> because it, you're not, there are still going to be kids who struggle. There are still unfortunately going to be uh, kids who don't make it. And yet you're still reaching some yeah. and some is better than none. So that's been, I would imagine again, you're talking about reaching people at the age that you were, yeah. that has to feel good. It's great. And I, you know, I think we're combating bullying, this whole thing, like when, when folks my age and even a little bit younger were in school, like terrible bullying existed, but at a certain time of day, it got to be turned off. Potentially you got to go home and the bullying would stop. Now you leave school and all day long you're getting it in person. You're also getting texts. Right. You're also getting it on Facebook. Then you go home and you get it on the Internet and private chat rooms. It is wild. It's, there's no safe place. There isn't. Unless and so, you turn it all off. Well, which is not realistic. It's not realistic. That's, that's never going to happen. No. Just like getting kids to not watch 13 Reasons Why is never going to happen, <laughs> right? You want right. to get kids to watch right. something, boycott it. Right. But I feel like if we can reach them on their phones, which is why the social integration is so yeah. important, why it's so important to not be preachy and just like we infuse it, right? Like it's like you're at a show 
And I, I, I think oftentimes people know it's happening, but oftentimes it's subliminal. We're just talking. Um, and in those conversations, um, aha moments abound. Yes. I got to point something out. Yeah. Uh, 2017 National Council for Behavioral Health awarded you Excellence in artistic expression for not only your music, but for Keep Oregon. I know. Well. It was really, really surprising and awesome. I bet I, it was. It was cool. My family was there, and I had a moment where I was like, huh, won a national award, and I've only been doing this a, a couple deal. of years. Yeah, it was, it was great. It's always cool to be recognized, and, um, you know, that blending of the of the careers in a way that has mattered to me. It was cool to see that it has mattered to other people too. Absolutely. Now, four years in, who knows how long you'll be doing this, hopefully a while. Forever. Forever. <laughs> in, well, in some, so in one way or another, yeah, you will be. for real. I mean, this is who you are. It is. This is not just a job. This is it's who you are. Not, yeah. But where would you like to see Keep Oregon Well go? I mean, there's you've, you've got to be talking about next steps. Yeah. And any that you can share with us. We're developing the curriculum, Keep Oregon Well in Schools curriculum, Mental Health Matters in Schools curriculum. Um, I would love, ultimately, big dream to have emotional intelligence taught just like we teach math and science and any other useful tool that you need in the world. Um, I'd love to have transformed every school in the United States uh, into a wellness hub. I would love to have... Um, put myself out of business ultimately because why are you still talking about that? We've we've destroyed stigma. It doesn't exist. Everybody's getting the services they need where and when they need them. Right. Those sound like lofty goals, but we've done that before. You know, I mean, it's, it, it, all that it takes is to get people to care, to to vote a certain way, for funders to actually put their money where. Um, currently, only our mouths are, and right. and ultimately get everybody on board with. Um, that dotted line between mental and behavioral health and all different kinds of societal issues. Like if people are not struggling with deep depression and suicidal ideation, maybe they can stay in school and then they have jobs and then they have families and they're productive members of society. But if we shame people for struggling when they're young, if we pretend it doesn't exist, um, if we discount the the validity of their humanity because of these struggles, um, we're sort of doomed to keep repeating what we've been doing. Absolutely. And you can't dream big if you don't start small. Yeah, totally. 51 to 49. <laughs> Let's celebrate. That is a celebration. I feel it. You know, in another four years, 40. I, How's that? From your lips to the funder's ears. <laughs> to everybody's ears. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks Logan. for having me. It's an honor. Thank you for joining me for my conversation with Logan Lynn. If you've missed any of the previous podcasts, you can find them at our website at kink.fm. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Portland 50 podcast wherever you're listening. The Portland 50 is a podcast series celebrating kink's 50th anniversary, and it's about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland. The series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland, one company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950.